Adults today are always blaming problems on their parents. Wives blame their husbands. Husbands blame their wives. But there's coming a day when people will literally blame God and they will not repent. They will not change their minds so as to give him glory. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy. Dr. Brogy is the senior pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. We're in chapter 16 of the Revelation, where we see the last of three sets of judgments that God will unleash on the earth following the rapture of the church. Each series of judgments has been worse than the prior. We studied the seal judgments, which were followed by the trumpet judgments, and now we are looking at the bowl judgments, in which God's wrath is literally poured out on the earth. In our last study, we saw that the first of these bold judgments consisted of plagues. And today, in a message entitled, Global Warming and Armageddon, we'll look at the next three judgments, which will consist of fire, pain, and drought. Today, we want to look at the fourth, fifth, and sixth bowl. And the fourth bowl is a description where the population is scorched. The population is scorched. We read now in verse 8, the fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it, the sun, to scorch men with fire. What we have in this fourth bowl is real global warming, and it's caused by God Almighty himself. Now, science continually reminds us that there is a delicate balance that exists between the earth and the sun that most of us never really think about. As this slide reminds you, Venus, which is the next closest planet to the sun, has an average temperature on its surface of 864 degrees Fahrenheit. While Neptune, which is the farthest planet, furthest planet from the sun, has a temperature of 353 degrees below zero on the Fahrenheit scale. It's amazing how God has orchestrated it all. The sun is 93 million miles from the earth, and God put the earth at the precise distance between that and the sun. If we were closer, we would burn up. If we were too far away, we would freeze to death. God put the sun exactly where he put it. Why? Because he is the creator. He is the master. He is the designer of the universe. And his design shouts his existence. And that's why I remind you, don't ever give these lousy testimonies that Christians give on occasion. Well, I said, if there's a God, or I didn't believe in God, or I was an agnostic. No, you weren't. There has never been an agnostic or an atheist on the planet. Now, you may bear that title for yourself. But in the heart of hearts of every human soul, they know there's a God through both the creation and the conscience and his care upon the creation that we live on. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. It's not foggy, it's clear. It has been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. King David said it this way, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. And so there is a delicate balance 
between the relationship of the earth to the sun, but somehow in God's providence and sovereignty, that balance is disrupted. Now, science tells us that the sun is like a giant nuclear reactor, and it is so large that 1.3 million of our earths could fit inside of the sun. The surface is 10,000 degrees hot, but our God has surrounded our earth with a band of radiation called the magnetosphere that protects us from that heat and keeps the temperature just like it needs to be. Even the slightest increase, if, if the earth were 100 degrees hotter, none of us could live on this planet. Now, obviously, that would kill everyone, but God doesn't kill everyone, but he raises the heat enough, the text says here, notice, to scorch men with fire. So during this plague, God will either turn up the heat of the sun, or he'll allow more of its heat to get through earth's atmosphere, and people will experience burns on their body. According to the prophet Malachi, in describing the coming day of God's judgment, what we call the day of the Lord or the tribulation, the dark side of it, it says the earth will be like a burning furnace. Perhaps one of the angels allows some solar flares to get through. I don't know how God is going to do it, but the outcome will be awful, and I'm sure there will be forests that will be burning across the planet as the heat increases. Now, I have no intention of making any of tree huggers that are listening to me unnecessarily upset today, but I want to tell you, I recognize, number one, that as a believer in Jesus, I am to be a good steward of this earth, and I'm not diminishing that. When we go to the beach, we always leave it cleaner than we found it. I don't dump my oil from my car into the marsh. I don't like to litter. I am to be a steward of the planet, but neither am I to worship this planet. But neither am I so concerned about global warming as some people are today and as some Christian movements are. Rick Warren, I know he's well-meaning. I know he's a believer. We'll meet him in heaven. But he has mustered together thousands of pastors to fight global warming. That is the wrong emphasis. The emphasis of the body of Christ is to fight the evil one through the preaching of the gospel. God is going to take care of, this text will reveal the global warming problem. That doesn't dismiss stewardship, but listen, science is all over the map. This next slide reminds us that in New Zealand in 1912, the leading science of the day said that the planet was getting warmer due to the burning of coal. But wait a minute, in February of 1929, scientists from Prague published an article in the New York Times that concluded that the temperature of the world was getting colder. But wait a minute, 1950, many of you know the name Guy Callender. He wrote a number of articles in scientific journals, including Scientific American. And once again, he said the globe was getting warmer. But wait a minute, when I was a student in college, The cover of Newsweek and Time magazines, I can still see them and remember the discussion I had with my dad. Uh, The headlines was, The Cooling World. But wait a minute, my fears were dismayed in 2009 because the New York Times published an article entitled, Global Warming Could Forestall the Ice Age. Oh, thank God. But wait a minute, I live on a marsh and people tell me that my property might look like this before too long. Now listen, thanks to politicians and environmentalists who seem intent on 
cramming down our throats, global warming. If you are in the realm of science today and you don't embrace it, you just are viewed almost as a heretic. One hotel chain in America removed all the Gideon Bibles, and now they have in their place a little documentary you can read in the side table on global warming. Now, for some young millennials that may be here, because this is almost all you've heard, again, I'm not against the planet, but I'm able to sleep at night. You know, the big talk in the 80s amongst evangelicals is that the world was going to be nuked to death, and that we're all going to die from nuclear disaster. Now, I was still a relatively young Christian, but I sure knew that wasn't true. Why? Because I've read the end of the story. The world will be here when Jesus comes back. So we're not going to destroy ourselves through nuclear war. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek peace. We should. Neither is the world going to be destroyed. Now, there is a form of global warming that is coming that is far more severe than you've ever imagined. Let me read it to you from 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Now, in the early days of global warming, women were told, don't use the hairspray. You know, you're adding ozone to the lair and the real green people got all pump bottles and then Mount St. Helena went up and they realized in a couple of hours it put more ozone into the atmosphere than a hundred years of using hairspray could do. So spray away, walk on the grass, shoot a, shoot a deer, you know, take in the aroma of a cow outside and drill for oil. You're not going to wipe out the planet, all right? In fact, God tells me this in Genesis. While the earth remains, which tells me it has an expiration date, God is not going to someday fix up this earth. He will replenish it during the millennial reign of Christ, but if you don't believe in the millennial reign of Christ, then then you've got to deal with the Isaiah passages and so many other prophets in a different way. God is someday going to destroy the earth. He's going to create a brand new heaven and a new earth. But while the earth remains, here's the promise. Seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease, period. Here's my point. If you're in high school in the 70s, you're afraid of a coming ice age. And if you're in high school today, you're afraid of a global meltdown. And again, if I were not a Christian and had not read the end of the story then I might be despairing and at times depressed. We are to be good stewards, but this is my father's world. He is in control, father God, not mother nature, and he is going to accomplish the purposes for which he has. And God has determined, according to Scripture, that the resources of this earth will continue to sustain billions of people until Christ comes again. Now, I don't know how big your carbon footprint may be, but I do know that you cannot deter, detract, or decimate or destroy this planet because God says it will be here. And in some people's thinking, though, because they are suppressing the truth of God in their minds, they think the creation is more important than the creator. And they are worshiping the creation. And some Christians are getting dragged into it. Romans 1 warns us, they exchanged the truth of God 
for a lie and they worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And that's where we are going. It's become a religion in America. We have put God out of our conscience. We are worshiping the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And God gave us over to sensuality. God is giving us over to homosexuality, and now we've entered into stage three. God is giving us over to a depraved and upside-down mind where people call good evil and evil good. People live more to protect their planet rather than they do to please their God. But look here in verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. And of course, when temperatures are raised and people are hot and their body is burning, what do you want to do? I had a burn on my hand not long ago. My wife was away and I heated something in the microwave and I took the top off and I got that steam burn. She's much better at it than I am. And I just stuck my hand under the water. Listen, when it's hot outside and you're sweating and you're scorched, you want to take a cold shower or a cold bath, you want a tall, tall, cold glass of water, but it's all blood. You want to bathe? Bathe in blood. You want to drink? There's nothing before long to drink but blood itself. Men are scorched, but in spite of this, They blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent to give him glory. Though the people of the world can connect the dots that these judgments are sourced in God Almighty, instead of repenting, they blaspheme the living God. They do just the opposite of what they should do. And though they understand that God is behind this, they blaspheme, blasphemo, blasphemo. It's to speak evil of God. It's a wicked, wicked day that is coming. And people are always blaming someone. Adam blamed it on his wife. His wife blamed it on Adam. Adults today are always blaming problems on their parents. Wives blame their husbands. Husbands blame their wives. But there's coming a day when people will literally blame God and they will not repent. They will not change their minds so as to give him glory. Now notice the fifth bowl. After the population is scorched, beginning now in verse 10, we find the fifth bowl is poured out. And I want you to notice how the beast, a reference to the Antichrist, the beast is plagued. The beast is plagued. We read now in verse 10, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain. Now, you might want to put in the margin next to this verse, Revelation 13, 2. Revelation 13, 2. You will remember in that verse that Satan, we are told, gave Antichrist his power, his throne. Let me read it to you. And the dragon, who's identified in that chapter as Satan, and the dragon gave him, namely the Antichrist, his power in his throne and great authority. So up until now, the Antichrist, the beast, has been somewhat sheltered from direct attack. But when this fifth bowl comes, it's poured out, it's directed at the very seat of the power of the Antichrist. 
And just like Pharaoh in ancient Egypt was helpless against the judgments of God Almighty, the Antichrist on his throne will be helpless from this plague. God makes it clear that he is superior, that he is supreme over the Antichrist, this false messiah who has his power originating from Satan. The words became darkened, or in some translation says it's, they, it was plunged into darkness. Actually, the King James is most literal here. It may seem awkward to some, but it's most literal to the Greek. It renders it full of darkness. It's the Greek word skatao, and it's used of a blacky ink darkness. I mean, not just like it's dark outside today, but we're talking about total blacky ink darkness. So dark, nothing can penetrate it. If you were to light a match, you might be able to feel the heat from the match, but you could not see the flame. On one occasion, we were in North Carolina on our way home. We saw this place, Linville Caverns. I said, let's go there. And we went in. Some of you have been there. And we went down in the caverns, and at one point deep into the cave, the man who was giving us the tour said, you are about to experience something that you have probably never experienced in your entire life. He said, for many of you, this will be the first time ever you will be in total black darkness. No video cameras on. We didn't have cell phones back in those days, but we had these big clunky video cameras you know, carrying off like this, you know. <laughs> no video cameras on. I, I want everything shut off. And he had the lights turned off. And you literally, you could wave your hand like this, but you could not see it. And my daughter, Grace Anna, who is eight, came up with a little squeaky voice. It's dark in here. Can they turn the lights on? <laughs> and it was dark. And I'm telling you, that's how dark it is going to be. I mean, what if that happened today in this auditorium? How would you respond? I mean, total black darkness, no light at all. So, well, maybe I'd sit here for a second. Maybe I'd try to crawl out the aisle and get outside, and maybe I'd start hitting my, my, my car remote, and I'd hear the horn, but the lights wouldn't penetrate the darkness. Total, total darkness. And again, these plagues, for however long they last each one, this is not a permanent darkness yet. They're not just pulled out of the sky randomly. God has a plan in each one. And just as the malignant sores was a reflection of the wickedness within man's heart, this physical darkness represents the spiritual darkness and the evil that is in the world. Jesus said, men love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. They loved. We speak of agape love as God's love, not always. They agapao, they willfully love the darkness rather than the light. This world will often choose moral darkness over spiritual truth. They will favor darkness over the light. And it serves, among other things, as an illustration of not only those who are removed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, but again of how fallen and how unrepentant man is. Because when God brings this judgment, look what happens in verse 11. And they blaspheme the God of heaven 
because there are pains in their sores and they did not repent of their deeds. The combination of their pains and their sores added to that, the starvation from all the fish that's gone, the lack of drinkable water to the terrible burns, the heat from the sun, the utter darkness. It's a taste of what is coming. Jesus said, speaking of hell, throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God is giving them just a tiny glimpse of the eternal wrath that is yet to come. Listen, God wrote of this not just for people who will be pouring over the pages of Scripture during this seven-year period, those who come to faith, multiplied millions, but He gave this originally to seven churchers who poured over it, and He gave it to the people of Community Bible Church because there are timeless lessons here. If you have been saved and you say you really love people the way you do, then why would you not warn people of the coming wrath? Some of us can't remember the last time we tried to take someone through the plan of salvation, much less even invite him to church. And let me say, if you are here and you are not saved, I would settle the issue before you left this building today. And I'd be more than happy to help you to do that. Listen. After the church is removed, those who have heard the gospel in clarity and power will not have a chance to repent during the seven-year period. The only people we have witnessed repenting during the seven-year period are people who have never heard the gospel before in clarity and in power. For God will send a deleting influence that men might believe what is false. Why? Because they loved wickedness more than they loved the gospel. And so they blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. You say, well, you know, if I could just see a miracle today, I would believe. They're connecting the dots. They're saying these, these, these are miraculous works from heaven. But they blaspheme God. Remember on that occasion... When a, a rich man died and he died and went to Hades, to hell, that's where men are today on, in unrighteous Hades. Someday that will be dumped into the lake of fire, but it's an awful place. And he went to hell not because he was rich, but because he was an unbeliever. And in his mind, he reasoned, if just somehow someone could go and do a miracle to my five lost brothers, they would believe. And so he says to Abraham, I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the Tanakh. They have the Old Testament. Let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And then Jesus says in Luke 16, 31, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, if they do not listen to the Bible, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. 
If people will not respond to the word of God, neither will they respond to a miracle. Jesus did all kinds of miracles right in front of people's eyes, and some concluded that those miracles were done by the devil himself. The people on the earth who knew these plagues came from God were so resolute in their hardness of heart that all they could do was blaspheme God. The fourth bowl, the population is scorched. The fifth bowl, the beast is discredited. He can't save anyone. And the people are going to recognize this. And this is even those who've taken the mark of the beast. And so that's why the next message is so important. But the, the next plague, the sixth bowl, the war is planned. The war is planned. Now in verse 12, the sixth bowl of God's wrath is poured out. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings of the east. Now, the source of the water, as many of you know, for the Euphrates River is Mount Ararat. And so they have the snow melts and the water comes down into the Euphrates River. Now, remember what just happened. In uh, bowl number four, there was a rapid melt. And all those snows melted, and there was a rapid dry. So think about all these massive amounts of snow melting at once. What would have happened to the bridges and the roads? There would have been washouts all across the world, at least in this section of the world where the Euphrates is. So what does God do? Well, he, he dries up that river so that the armies of the east, the kings of the east, can use it as a road to march all the way to Israel in order to attack the Israeli people. Now, there's endless speculation as to who the kings of the east are, and people try to name them and all that. All we can say is they come from that part of the world, countries like China, India, Japan. The eastern powers of the world will come together for this final world battle, which we will study called the Battle of Armageddon. Now, when they come, not only will they come, when we come to the 20th chapter, where we will look at the Battle of Armageddon in detail, we will see that there are other nations, in fact, all the nations of the world, that would include USA at that point, all the nations of the world will come against Israel. On our next study, we'll look at three unclean spirits and the miracles they perform as they usher in the War of Armageddon. To listen again to today's study, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV44. Search the Scriptures is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you'd like more information or would like to support Search the Scriptures, call 877-787-7478 or visit searchthescriptures.org. Thank you. Tomorrow, the conclusion of Global Warming and Armageddon. Join us then as we search the scriptures.